said, Adios, my son. May God receive your soul in peace. The priest stepped into the second cell. The man inside had also been badly beaten. What is your name, my son? Felix Carpio. He was a husky, bearded man with a fresh, livid scar on his cheek that the beard failed to conceal. I'm not afraid to die, father. That is well, my son. In the end, none of us is spared. As the priest began to hear Carpio's confession, waves of distant sound, at first muffled, then growing louder, began to reverberate through the building. It was the thunder of pounding hoofs and the screams of the running mob. The guard listened, startled. You'd better hurry, father. The guard quickly unlocked the cell door. The priest stepped out into the corridor and the guard locked the door behind him. There was the sound of a loud crash from the front of the prison. The guard turned to peer out the narrow barred window. What the hell was that noise? The priest stepped close to the guard and the knife concealed beneath his robe plunged into the guard's chest. Dios in nomine patri Jaime Miro said, piously crossing himself. The guard slumped to the cement floor. Jaime Miro took the keys from the body and swiftly opened the two cell doors. The sounds from the street were getting louder. Let's move, Jaime Moreau commanded. Madrid, July 14, 1976. Prime Minister Leopoldo Martinez was in a rage. Jaime Moreau must be stopped, he cried. His voice was high and shrill. Do you understand me? He glared at the half-dozen men gathered in the room. Yesterday, Miro turned Pamplona into a battleground. Martinez slammed a fist down on his desk. He killed two prison guards and smuggled two of his murderers out of prison. Innocent people were killed by the bulls he let loose. The man at Martinez's right said quietly, I'll find him. The speaker was Colonel Ramon Acoco, head of the GEO, the Grupo de Especial Operaciones, formed to pursue Basque terrorists. He was a huge man with a scarred face. Jaime Moreau had become an obsession with Colonel Lacoco. I want his head, Colonel Lacoco said. Cut off his head and the Basque movement dies. The goddamn church, Lacoco thought. With Franco dead, it was interfering again. He turned to the prime minister. I have had reports that the church is helping the Basque terrorists by letting them hide in their monasteries and convents. If the church is for the Basques, then it is against us. Colonel Lacoco's voice hardened. I would like your permission to teach the church a lesson. Avila, Spain, July 16, 1976. The silence was like a gentle snowfall, soft and hushed, as soothing as the whisper of a summer wind, as quiet as the passage of stars. The Cistercian convent of the strict observance lay outside the walled town of Avila, the highest city in Spain, 112 kilometers northwest of Madrid. The convent had been built for silence. The rules had been adopted in 1601 and remained unchanged through the centuries. Liturgy, spiritual exercise, strict enclosure, penance, and silence. Always the silence. There were 40 nuns at the convent, praying in the church and living in the cloister. The convent at Avila was one of seven left in Spain. 
Every window was covered with iron bars and was above the line of vision so that there would be no outside distractions. In four hundred years, nothing inside the walls of the convent had changed except the faces. The sisters had no personal possessions, for they desired to be poor, emulating the poverty of Christ. The women who shared their lives with the Lord lived together, worked together, ate together and prayed together, yet they never touched and never spoke. The nuns walked through the cloisters and corridors with downcast eyes, hands folded in their sleeves at breast level, passing and repassing their sisters without a word or a sign of recognition. The only voice of the convent was its bells, the bells that Victor Hugo called the Opera of the Steeples. The living conditions of the convent.